1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
4: 97 FM Talk
1: Podcast. Wiggins,
4: America. I am another number. I am a free man! Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm gonna need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we wanna play. There are forces
3: here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes.
0: Welcome to Wiggins, America.
3: A good morning and good weekend to you Ryan Wiggins here still with the cast because I we went long in the last couple segments so Trish is still here old Roy is still here and we're still talking about Lindsey Graham in a segment we call Graham crackers Why that sound denotes Graham crackers? No idea. but it does it makes sense to me right? Okay, so here's the other thing that Lindsey Graham said <laughs> this month. That, that I was like, wait a minute. I can't believe that we haven't talked about this yet. I can't believe that this wasn't really talked about on talk radio. And maybe I missed it, but I listened to a lot of talk radio. I haven't really heard anybody discuss this, but I'm sure you saw it. Lindsey Graham basically said somebody needs to come out and assassinate Vladimir Putin. You saw this, right? I did not. Oh, you're kidding me. No. You saw no, it? I did not oh see it. Oh my that. gosh, it's because nobody's talking about it. Right. Yeah, he said, and I mean, he he didn't just say, you know what should happen is somebody in his cabinet needs to walk up and fire a bullet into the back of his head. He didn't say that, but he said something along the lines of, you know, what should happen is, you know, one of these oligarchs in a room with him, you could kind of just take the guy out. He said something like that. yeah, And he... It wasn't like a flippant comment that he was walking to his limo and somebody ambushed him and said, what do you think? And he was like, well, it was like on a news program that he said it. So it was, it was something that he knew he was probably going to get to. And, and I, at first blush, I was like, you know what? We've all thought that. <laughs> I mean, have, haven't we, haven't, hasn't everybody thought about some random world leader who's doing terrible things? Whether it's right now and it's Vladimir Putin, or it's any other time, has it? Hasn't everybody at the bar stool, not necessarily on the radio or on TV, but haven't you thought? Man, I'm surprised somebody didn't just like take slip something into his drink at some point. You know what I mean? Isn't he just saying what everybody's already kind of thinking, or am I way off?
5: You got anything for this,
2: Roy? I learned my lesson last time. Whenever you ask a question <laughs> like that,
3: I'm not going to raise my hand. Or, or I
5: think he's already been assassinated. I'm already in
3: trouble. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> I don't know, have
3: any I... evidence for this, but there is no Vladimir Putin. He's not even no. real. <laughs> I
2: I think you're right. I think that a lot of people privately or in their inner circles will talk about global things like that and kind of. I don't think there's a lot of people that are naive to think that the CIA hasn't already been doing that for decades. And sure. So yeah, it probably crosses people's minds, but it's incredibly illegal.
3: <laughs> Is it? <And laughs> what if what's the law on this kind of thing, Roy? <laughs>
5: it's how we interpret the law on
3: this yeah, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Well, it used to be there were there was there was a time where government officials would unequivocally say we don't assassinate other people was even there though... i don't
3: remember that oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> was one of those unspoken G- rules G- i thought it was one of those things they didn't come out and always say we don't assassinate people but apparently they did they did yeah okay. that used to because 70s and 80s. Okay, so you're talking about Jimmy Carter stepping up to the podium and being like, "We do not assassinate people.
5: We are raising your taxes. Thank and you.
3: Sorry about the inflation. Stop ass- <laughs> exactly
5: <laughs> assassinating people. Yeah, Carter no, but
3: it, out. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> he was pretty cool. I right? know I don't deserve this job, right. but as Gerald Ford president, <laughs> I am not going to assass- assassinate anybody. I promise you guys.
2: Yeah, but it it. That's such a dumb thing to say, but don't you think that the politicians over the last handful of years have just started saying things that they used to not say out loud? Yeah, Schumer. Yes. When Schumer said, uh, "What was it he said about the you don't mess with the intelligence agencies because they can get you from five ways?" Oh to gosh, I didn't
3: know about that. Did
2: you say that about that. Trump when Trump went after? Oh, some something in the, with the intelligence agencies. And Schumer just came right out and said in front of a whole bunch of people on TV, "Oh, you don't mess with them because they can find you know ten ways to Sunday to
3: get you." And this was right before the the whole RussiaGate stuff started. Oh gosh, no, I did not see that. But let's say let's say this does happen. Okay, moral the questions. Assassination. Let, let's say that happened. And Let's now say, Lindsey
5: Graham's on the record saying that he thinks it should happen? Yeah, That yeah. would
3: be terrible for him. Well, I, I, I think he gets a pass because I never, everybody probably knows that Lindsey Graham didn't assassinate Vladimir Putin. But that not that kind of the point of the sanctions? Isn't the point to press the richest people in Russia to basically do anything to stop Vladimir Putin? And they're not saying, yes, we're hoping, like Lindsey Graham did, yes, we're hoping they go you know, put a shiv at his side. But that kind of is the point of taking him out of power. And there's no way he's going to be taken out of power other than that. Right. I mean, that's not crazy. You're looking at me like it's crazy. That's kind (laughs) of crazy. Well, I mean, what's the point of the sanctions if not to accomplish something like that? Why do you take away all these oligarchs wealth if not to put pressure on them to put pressure on him? Do you think that actually works? Because he's not going to change anything. No, he's gonna I don't do anything know. Different. It
5: goes back to the good versus evil and right versus wrong. You can't call for the assassination of somebody because murder is wrong. And evil. I'm
3: not saying that you
5: should. So I'm just you saying you have to work within the powers of good to try to take this person out of power. Unfortunately, over the course of human existence, the powers of evil don't play by the same rules. I don't know. I'm not going to call for the assassination of Vladimir Putin, but hindsight. Should somebody have probably assassinated Hitler, Stalin? Yeah, maybe.
3: I don't know. Do you think? Do you think that I am calling for the assassination? <laughs> sounds of like Putin? it. Does it?
5: Yeah, it sounds like you're gearing up. You got your party I ticket think, ready. I
3: think you've forgotten that this is about Lindsey Graham and that this is Graham practice. Is it bad for him to say that is the question? Would Trump have said that? Yeah,
5: I don't think he would have.
3: Really, I think Trump was smart enough to know the line. Maybe, man, I don't know. That's a good question. Would he have said that? I don't think so. I mean, the I whole... think he said
5: a lot of stupid stuff, but I think he knew a lot. He there knew was what he was line. doing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: well, he knew he knew Putin is powerful, and you know he doesn't. We talked about this last week. He he just, he, I don't know. I might need him for a deal, so it it's not good business to do that kind of stuff because you create upheaval and you got, you got a, somebody new is going to step in and
3: take over and they could be worse. That's actually where I was going with this whole question is let's say that regardless of what you think about it, let's say that did happen. And one of these rich, you know, one of his associates just went and put something in his drink, whatever he, he so let's <laughs> <His>
5: associates <clears throat> name Ryan Wiggins. No,
3: I don't know. Funded Vladimir by Putin. Lindsey Graham. <laughs> if I knew Vladimir Putin, I think I'd be a little wealthier. Um, let's say that that does happen though, is that even does that even solve the problem? or does it just throw everything into such complete chaos that you're just you're creating a power vacuum, somebody else is going to step in and do the same thing?
2: I think that's that's obvious. I mean we've seen it not with assassinations, but we've deposed people before. <laughs> we've we've done regime change in other countries and it almost always leads to disaster. you know we'll we pick, who we think is going to be the next the next thing that's going to work in our best interest, and all of a sudden you got Saddam Hussein, so we put him in power, and look how that turned out. So, so it's it, it's not a good solution on any level, morally, or politically, or
3: in any other way. So just because Trisha thinks she's taking the moral moral high ground here, I am. I want to put you in a situation. Okay, you're in a room with Vladimir Putin. Okay. He is about to press the red button. He's about to drop a nuke. You have a machete. (laughs) (laughs) Now, who's taking the moral high ground? Well,
5: I can lop off a hand and not end a life. No,
3: you can't. You can't because he's got the other hand and they grab you. You get one swipe. You doing it or not? (laughs) Take his
2: leg, because then he'll fall over.
4: Yeah.
5: I'm just going to lop off a limb. And he can't
3: reach the button. Man, you guys, unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. What would you do? You'd do it, Roy.
2: I would lop off a a limb or just take him out? You'd take him out. No, I would have a nice, calm discussion (laughs) about why he shouldn't press the button.
5: (laughs) See, Roy has morals, too.
3: I, I honestly don't think I would do it. I I don't think I could murder somebody, right? Even in that circumstance, mm-hmm. I just don't think I got it in me. And That's, I I, yeah. I love to think that I'm much colder than that. <laughs> Weird thing to say that I would like step up and be like you know sacrifice myself for the greater good. But that to me is one of those situations where you are sacrificing yourself, right? You're you're, you're doing could... something that you're what told if you're not you're to a do. a Soldier. Yeah, it's, that's a good question what because you're then you're in war, a
5: country in war. And,
3: yeah, and the game changes. Well, let's say you're an American soldier in that that's situation. That's what I'm saying. You're not just, you know, an oligarch, but no, you've got you've the uniform
5: on. Somehow
3: infiltrated mm-hmm. the organization, and you're there. I guess it depends on if that's your job, if that's the mission, if that's what you're told. Yeah, if that's the mission, so would,
2: you're okay with the CIA agent who's given a mission to go murder somebody.
3: I don't know. I mean, if you're seeing it's Boy, about to happen, you you're and about, Lindsey Graham need to dude's go. Dude's about to drop a, a <laughs> nuclear bomb. That's. <laughs> I'm not saying you snuck in and then all of a sudden you're you're just in the room with him and you can do whatever you want. I'm saying you're watching the guy about to press the button. That seems like a pretty clear objective for a trained soldier.
2: Yeah, maybe, but you've you've you're ignoring about the 7,000 opportunities that the diplomatic corps and other world leaders had to prevent it to, from
3: escalating to that point. I don't know where to leave this. the phone with me, James Amos. Normally, I wouldn't introduce somebody who is my friend as my friend, James Amos, because that sounds very unprofessional. But in this case, I think it's important to establish that this is somebody I personally know and trust. James was a is currently a pastor in Kenya. He was a pastor for a while and trained in Ukraine. And that is the reason that he is here this morning. James, there is a lot of... I keep hearing a lot of people just say, you know what, I just don't trust anything I'm seeing. <clears throat> so that's why I wanted to have you on, because I can go basically right to the source. You're in touch with people in mostly northern Ukraine, right?
4: Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me, Ryan. It's uh, it's good to talk about this. Yeah, I, I've seen that, too. Uh, I see on social media and other ways that a lot of folks are just kind of skeptical of things that they're seeing online. And, and I can understand that. But, you know, I, I spend uh, a, a lot of time not only looking at the, uh, the media that's in Ukrainian and Russian, um, but also just talking to many of the people that I have relationships with there. This thing is real and terrible. Yeah. So, James, you're... And, and you're right. I was in, I was in northern Ukraine. Yeah. The place that we lived, the city was called Slavutich. And uh, that's the worker city for the Chernobyl nuclear power plant that they built after the explosion. And that, so basically every person that lived in the town that we were in works at the plant. Um, and then the largest city near there that you've seen on the news a lot is Chernihiv, um, which has been just devastated really bad. So, Is that pretty
3: close to the, to the Russian border in northern Ukraine?
4: Yeah, it's closest to the Belarusian border, but also pretty close okay. to the Russian border. And it's the main highway. That the troops would take to come from uh, Moscow or or from from the north, basically into Kiev, which is why it's been such a hot spot. Uh, they were gathering in a, a town north of there in Belarus called Hostomel. Uh, so, James,
3: obviously, you're talking to people you personally know from your time in Ukraine, and you're watching the news. Personally speaking, how much do you trust the news? And what you see coming out of both Russia and Ukraine is that something that we can trust?
4: I mean, you can't trust anything coming out of Russia. It's nonsense. It's just total propaganda. Obviously, there's no such thing as an unbiased resource anywhere in the world. Ukrainians have a you know a reason to want to get the information out, but consistently, what I see on their on their websites is information that a day you know half a day a day later. I see that same information pretty regularly on uh, the American news, and it's consistent. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the Ukrainian numbers are inflated a little bit, according to the U.S. State Department. But, no, I mean, uh, they, there have been thousands and thousands of Russian troops killed, it looks like. And, um, you know, basically when I talk to individuals uh, there, um, you know, I hear the same stories as what I'm seeing on the news.
3: Uh, yeah. So. Well, James, I'll like I said, James Amos, friend of mine, pastor, was in Ukraine. Lots of personal relationships in Ukraine, which is why we're talking to him today. Um what, what do you think is going to happen in this war? I mean, this has gone on way longer than anybody anticipated, but is that just because we're Americans and we had a, a certain expectation that, well, Russia is big and they're going to overcome Ukraine? And, and is Ukraine surprised at how long this has taken? Or I mean, should say how how uh, long they've prolonged what we thought yeah. was the inevitable.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, the last time you and I talked about this uh, was the day of the invasion. And, you know, my, my sense of this is certainly different than the first day. I, I am an American, yeah, and I, I very much thought this was going to be over and, and terrible real fast. And, you um, know, I mean, I, I think that the whole world is pretty shocked by the way that um, Ukraine, the Ukrainian people have responded, and, and maybe we shouldn't be. Uh, there, there are certainly parallels in some ways between what's happening there and, you know, our own revolution. Uh, this is kind of their 1776, mm-hmm. and it is people who are really choosing to fight for their home and their freedom. And, you know, uh, what I said to you a month ago, I would still hold to that these are people, uh, somewhat unlike Russians, these are people that actually have had real freedoms for about 30 years, and they're not going back. They don't want to go back. They, they just don't accept it. And that's, that's a really. Beautiful thing, I think, and something that probably all of us in America can learn something from.
3: Yeah, James, it's funny because the last time we spoke, like you said, it was almost exactly a month ago, which is exactly how long this war has now been going on. You said that last time, too, and I I really hung on to that because everybody's kind of watching. The whole world is watching this happen. And everybody's trying to make sense of it, make come up with opinions on how they feel about what America's doing, what Europe's doing, what Russia's doing, what Ukraine's doing, what China's doing. You know, And it just keeps coming back to me to what yeah. you just said, which is Ukraine, and I, I do have a couple more questions about this too, about their government and, and Zelensky and things yeah. like that. But they have lived in a freer society than Russia. Now, they obviously, Ukraine and, and Russia are very close and linked, a lot of some culture similarities, of course, more than we would have with Russia, but they live in a different society and they are freer than if they had lived in Russia. Now on the heels of that,
4: I haven't bad reception. I'm not sure if you can hear
3: I can, I can. Um, and again, James Amos, he's in Kenya talking about Ukraine cause he had been in Ukraine. So hopefully you can hear us if you can't, we'll move away. But James, uh, if you can still hear me, the government of Ukraine, um, We'll try, we'll try this here <laughs> the phone reception is spotty can you still hear me i think up oh, i think we lost, we definitely lost him all right we'll we'll try to get him back and see what we can do this morning but ah, it, it's so frustrating cuz uh, we we've talked before and the reception in, Ukraine, in in Kenya is so bad he said there's times when I'll be talking and have no reason why it'll just go away. And that's apparently what just happened this morning. But um, <clears throat> So we'll try to get him back. But in the meantime, I think it's important to recognize, put away all of the politics, put aside all the stuff. And it's hard to do because this is steeped in politics. There is politics involved in every aspect of this. And the question I was about to get to with him was, is, is the government of Ukraine trustworthy? and i don't know the answer to that question. Uh, obviously we're rooting for at least the better of two between russia and ukraine right now and supporting the better of two. and i think that it's important to not lose the forest from the trees because i like you and we've talked about even on this show talked with old roy who's very very skeptical of all the stuff that comes out of anywhere but that there are still people involved and those people want to live in a freer society than if they were owned by Russia and it it really boils down to that a whole lot of people making a whole lot of decisions within our government other world governments that probably are very self-serving that aren't with pure motives of just supporting a free Ukraine I get that I get also that we've just come through an era where you have to question the people making this, these decisions were not even for our own freedoms in a lot of ways. In Canada, in the United States, they tried to impose medical tyranny, basically. You know, forced injections. Now, we've just come through that, and you might support the vaccines, and might not support the vaccines. I don't know where you stand on that. But the point is that we used to be a society in which those things were choices, and they're, they're attempting to not make them choices anymore. So stick around. Uh, ah, I'm getting a call from Kenya, but it's on my cell phone. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. Wiggins America.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com
3: doggone what a shame here that we were talking to james amos who is a pastor right now in kenya he had been a pastor in ukraine a lot of personal relationships with people in ukraine i know him personally and i trust him And if you're just tuning in, that's who we were talking to a segment ago. You can rewind on the Odyssey app or you can get uh, the podcast at 971talk.com. As soon as we finish this hour, they'll have that uploaded. But I say that he's a friend of mine simply because there are so many people right now. And I would put myself probably in this camp. You don't really know who to trust because you've seen over the last several years that you can't really trust the media. The media has an agenda. Politicians have an agenda. Everybody who's giving you the information about this has an agenda. So I went right to the source as close as I could get to Ukraine, the actual place that is being invaded right now, and was talking to, again, my dear friend who is a pastor who is talking to people on the ground in Ukraine to find out what's the real story. And he, because he's in Kenya and he's in rural Kenya too, the phone just goes. He said there's absolutely no reason for it. You'll have a 30-minute Skype call some days that are fine, and then you can't get two minutes because whatever, because the infrastructure is not great. So as we were talking to him, that happened. About eight minutes into a phone call, boom, he's just gone. And I said, man, I, I tried to call him back. You know, we took a break here, came back, tried to call him back. He's having trouble. We reconnected, but it's, just, it's spotty, and so I said, let's just do this. I'm going to text you these questions. And mainly, there's one right before that that cut off that I said I really wanted to get to this question. If you could just answer this one for me, and I'll share it on air. So I said, "Was do you think the government of Ukraine is trustworthy?" Because we went over Russian government; everybody knows that it's it's completely ridiculous. They're not giving you any good information, and they're they're terrible to their own people in Russia. Do you think the government of Ukraine, though, is trustworthy? Again, from a person who had lived there, he's an American. Uh, his answer, so, so telling, and I did not expect this. All he said was, more than ours. There there, you have it right there. I don't know what else I can add to that. But he, he said, yeah, let me try to expound on that a little bit. He said, look, um, they, as in the government, have every reason to make the truth known about what's happening there. Although, in the interview, you also heard him say, they also have every reason to be trying to push people to help them so you know there's there's motive there too um but he said look they ran and he was there in 2018 19 so he saw a lot of this transition happen he said they ran on a bold anti-corruption platform he's talking about Zelensky's people and three years later they still are in trouble are they still are out of trouble in that regard Zelensky cleaned house when he came in in 2019 these are not the people biden and obama were dealing with now, James is not a, a terribly political person, but in in this situation, politics are the reality of half of what we're dealing with here. And so I didn't lead that question. He just offered that. He said, look, Zelensky cleaned house. He ran on an anti-corruption platform. You remember this. We all remember this. This was during Trump's term. And they called him the Donald Trump of of Ukraine. Well, you don't just come in, as we saw with Trump, you don't just come in and change things day one. There's, there's things you can do on day one but there's a lot of things that take time to unravel and <clears throat> as we saw too the swamp bites back you know you can try to kill an alligator but that thing's got some teeth so that is in his words or at least I'm paraphrasing here what zelensky has had to be dealing with i think he he's a fan of the guy having been there under i think the both administrations and watching what happened so he goes on to say i know people in chernihiv i think that's where he was talking about in northern ukraine Uh, confirm that what we see on the news, I've personally stood with my kids in many of the places I see now destroyed on film. So there's no, at least in the last couple years, he's saying, it looked this way when I was there. Now it looks this way. So I think you can trust, at least, he he trusts some of those things for sure. And I I think he trusts it more because he's talking to people who fled. He actually shared a story over text with me and said, first of all, I now... Know people who have fled to Poland, Belgium, and Portugal. Uh, Portugal is pretty far from there. And a big family that is now in Belgium that barely escaped Slavtujic, which has been completely surrounded f- since day one, and they drove and lived their day, lived <clears throat> their lives in a car for seven straight days. I don't know that we need to question that a lot of those stories are true. I think the problem is that the gatekeepers that give us most of that information are just not trustworthy. And so we're all skeptical, but that's why I'm giving you this information as straight to the source as I can. Um, this is a humanitarian problem this week, Biden announced, and I think this was with congressional support because I don't know that he could do this alone unless he's reallocating money. That's already been spent on something else. Uh, and they, they were spending some pretty big money. I think it was $14 billion they had allocated to Ukraine, which let's just not even get into that for a second about the things they won't spend money on and they will spend $14 billion. But he said, I, I think what's happening is that he is allocating a billion of that to purely humanitarian aid. And then people have been asking the question over the last, let's say 24 hours. Well, how do you know that's getting there? And that's, again, <clears throat> that's gatekeeper problem. These All the problems that we're talking about with this issue are the same issue. They're the gatekeeper problem. The media and the politicians who are controlling these things, they're not very, the politicians in particular, they're not very good at doing things. So they go, oh, look what we've done. We're allocating a billion dollars to humanitarian aid. And the reporting is that not a, a trickle, in the words of some of the people, especially in Poland, that we can talk to a little easier, a trickle is actually getting to these people. Now, maybe you're saying, well, it hasn't been long enough yet. I get that. Maybe we need to give this a little bit more time. But it's been a month, and we have allocated a lot of spending to this. Where is all that? Shouldn't we be getting this to them as quickly as possible? Supply chain problems. Maybe that's affecting everybody in the world, not just us here in America. Um, But anyway, yeah, to sum up the whole thing, there's just a lot of reason to not trust the the people who are giving us the information and hopefully what <clears throat> you just heard us talking about just now and with James there in the last 15 minutes will just help give you some of that now he is he seems pretty full on support with zelensky that's news to me i don't really know what to think about zelensky he's been involved in a lot of scandalous stuff but was it of his doing Remember when, by the way, the dude's a world hero now. Remember when he was talking to Trump about Biden? That's why Trump was impeached. Recall this, okay? So Trump was impeached for making a call to Zelensky and saying, hey, is this biden guy involved in some really corrupt stuff because as i understand it there's been a lot of reports of money laundering that go through the biden family and you might have heard of this guy named hunter Biden, hunter biden who was on the board of one of your biggest energy companies for absolutely no reason got paid lots of millions of dollars over the last uh, several years don't get me started on all the money that has gone through these people to the Biden family. It's, it's really legitimately corrupt. I don't care what freaking side of the aisle you're on. That is really corrupt. And it's not because he's trying to open a hotel in Moscow. Trump was trying to do that. It's because he's a politician. These people were buying favor with the U S freaking government. Okay. So those things are not comparable. A businessman trying to do Russia. That's one thing. You may not like that he was trying to do it, but he was a businessman. Uh, A politician offering basically bribes, people bribing his entire family to get access to him and to our White House to get favor. That's super, super corrupt. And it's out there in the open that it was happening. And so far, nothing has happened to the guy except that he was elected president unbelievable where we're at with this stuff, but I digress. The point of bringing up the Zelensky thing in particular, though, is that he was talking to Trump at the time of the uh, eventual impeachment and said um, to Congress when the impeachment was going on, hey, there was nothing wrong with that phone call. And the reason Trump trusted Zelensky is because he ran an anti-corruption platform. And so Trump trusted him to be able to talk to him candidly and say, look, the previous administration was really tight with the Bidens. What's going on? Where's the corruption here? Because it looks really corrupt. And if you're not willing, and here's the sort of the quid pro quo, that famous phrase, if you're not willing to give us that information, well, we're giving you a lot of aid. So consider you need to give us the truth about the Bidens and they were saying, well, you weren't actually looking for the truth. You were looking for political payoff because you're afraid of him running against you. That's a legitimate um, counter argument. But the fact is, if the call's fine, the call's fine. You don't impeach the guy and you don't have any evidence that that's what he was doing. You just have hearsay. Yet they impeached him anyway. And the president on the other end of that line said it was all fine. And that was Zelensky. That stuff doesn't get brought up now that Zelensky is a hero, that he exonerated Trump in the impeachment trial. But there you go. Only a little bit of time left before we get to the end of this show today. So let's switch gears and talk about this.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Wings, America. That is amazing.
3: There's a new movie on Netflix that I don't know if you'll like, but I was told that I would hate by my wife. Therefore, naturally, I had to go watch it to see if I could prove a wrong. And I did, and I feel pretty good about that. So uh, that's that's the background. Maybe I was predisposed to try to like it because I was told I wouldn't. So keep that in mind as you watch this. The movie is called Windfall. It's on Netflix right now. It is a strange movie. It, it, it's There's a style to it that you don't see very often, especially nowadays. And it's very 60s. So the plot of the movie is a guy, Jason Segal, or Segal, probably not Steven Segal, but Jason Segal, is just a dude. He is just a straight-up dude driving a crappy car, and the movie opens with him rummaging around in what looks like a really nice kind of old California, 60s, 50s, kind of the Rat Pack era of, maybe even before that would have been 40s, 50s, of California and kind of that opulence that's a little out of date. And you realize that he doesn't live in this house that he's just kind of broken into it. And he was just going to steal some stuff. It looks like, well, then the owners of the house who are very rich, they show up in the house and he's still in it. So he tries to get out and can't, they catch him and he ends up having to hold them hostage. So, It's a cool setup, and there's really nothing—I like really supernatural stuff and sci-fi and some comedy, and this is really none of those things, but it's got such a cool vibe. All the music and the overall aesthetic of it is very Alfred Hitchcock. You'll hear that. I'm just going to play a a portion of the the trailer and just listen to the music and, and put yourself into the time period that this would be.
4: This guy breaks into my house. Holy! And you just sit down on the couch. (laughs) Okay,
2: but how about you you let go of my wife first? And
4: I've had to hold his hand.
3: How does this open? Is there a trick to the purse? No! There's a clasp. And help him rob us. I want $150,000. You
4: think that's enough?
5: Yeah, I think you're probably gonna want more than that.
4: I can get you the money tomorrow. What? I owe you something, right?
3: You owe a debt to a hell of a lot more people than just me. Try being
4: a rich white guy these days. It sucks. (laughs) Do you want to be me? Is that it? You're pathetic. I don't think you're going to do anything. Ever. What you think you have to do next... Please don't cross that
3: line. It's going to be a long night. Right, so it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's a something that doesn't get made, and it's something that maybe we didn't even realize is a genre, a 60s Hitchcockian thing that somebody has gone back and done and the whole plot of the movie and the execution of the movie actually feels like that it's not in black and white and they're using modern phrasing and stuff you know it's not, they're not trying to completely copy a 1960s movie but they're using that energy to uh, tell a story and it's a really cool one and it does have a bit of a surprise ending but not one that you is like you know aliens show up or something i mean it's, it's within the context of the movie it makes sense but you're like whoa wow that was didn't expect that to happen so I recommend the movie. It does get a little bit slow in the middle. If you can stick it out, a good one to watch this weekend, Windfall on Netflix. Thanks for tuning in this week. You can podcast it again at 971talk.com, and we will see you. I'll see you on Monday, but we'll see you on Weekends America next weekend.